Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, we are going to talk about Gifts Unveiled, a parent's journey with a special needs child with a very special guest, Steve Demi who doesn't need a whole lot of introduction, but I'll give you a little one, Steve. (laughs) Steve has served um, in part-time, full-time pastoral ministry for many years after graduating from Gordon um, Conwell Theological Seminary. He's the creator of Matthew C. and um, the founder of Building Faith Families. And he'll probably talk a little bit about um, all of that um, as you're going to share some things. Um, I'm super excited about this. Have you ever talked about this um, in in any speaking context yet in, in the homeschool community? Or is this new? Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't even know how many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I was asked by a board member of LEA, which is the New York oh, yes. Homeschool Association. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to speak on what it's like to have a special needs child from a father's perspective. And in her in her mind, um, most of the workshops that she'd ever attended for special needs children were led by moms. And it was a room full of moms. And she she said, I would really like to know what a dad goes through. Oh, and that yeah. forced me to do a lot of reflection, putting notes together. And I've continued to give that talk. In fact, I know you've sat in at least one. Oh, of yes. Uh huh. I've given the, that talk, which is always a little bit different depending on the audience and depending on the most recent insights that we've received right. many, many times. But some of the things that you and I talked for this podcast, this will be the unveiling. This is um, uh. <laughs> it's kind of a new phase because it's interesting with Johnny, um, he's 36, 
Right. And there's a part of him that is, I call Peter Pan. Mm, uh, that's a he, good, he, good he analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, right. So he's, he's like a kid and he still enjoys watching videos. He still enjoys kid things. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he is a man. Right. And he needs to be treated as such. And so we have to make sure that he has his voice. We have to give him a lot of space in uh, making decisions, choosing his own wardrobe, um, all kinds of things. Right. Because he's a man. And Sandy and I have a wonderful dynamic with Johnny. The three of us just, we know each other. I noticed that when I put my arm around Johnny, usually we walk him into a store or something. He'll come right next to me, put his arm around me. I'll put my arm around him. Hmm. He immediately changes his steps so that we're walking in tandem. Oh, wow! Because if you've yeah. ever put your arm around somebody, if, if you're not if you're not walking right. together, it's very <laughs> uncomfortable. It's probably what Jesus meant about taking his yoke, you know. And yes. Walking with him. Uh-huh. But so recently, uh, I was uh, going into church. And yeah. uh, we're having construction done. So we have to park down the street because our parking lot is oh, closed. Wow. <laughs> and so I was uh, walking in the church and a gentleman said, Steve, I've been looking for you. Uh, I have to tell you something. And I said, well, what's up, Jeff? And he said, a few weeks ago, I was asked to preach. And I'm going to say he's in his 70s. But he said, I was asked to preach. And we have two services. And so he finished the 830 service around quarter to 10 or 10. And he said, I started getting dizzy. I'm lightheaded. I couldn't focus. And I went out and I sat down in the narthex, Hmm. just found a chair. And I thought that was done. I didn't think I could uh, do the second service. And Johnny was there. Now, see, John is the usher. Ah. (laughs) Every week there's a different family or couple or team that does the ushering. But whenever Johnny shows up, he is number two on that particular team. So he passes out bulletins. He uh, releases people from their pews for communion. Mm -hmm. Uh, He helps clean up. He collects things. He makes sure that he signs the papers at the end, which verifies how much money was collected. All those kind of things. That's cool. Yeah. Um, he wants me to leave him at the door. So I'm not even allowed to walk into church. Okay. (laughs) And I'm happy to do that. So he walks in and he was there a little bit early and he saw my friend sitting in a chair and he came over. Now, now I'm just telling you what I was told. Right. Johnny came over with such compassion and concern on his face and pretty much made because he doesn't speak, you know, like you and I speak real clear, but sometimes he really does. Mm -hmm. But even though he might not be able to articulate words like I do, Mm -hmm. his face, and he makes makes what he's thinking known. And he had so much compassion, and he asked the man if he was doing okay. And the man was so impacted by it, and he felt his heart. Hmm that he was revived and he was able to preach the second service. Wow. And he said, Steve, I have been looking for you to tell you this. He says, your son just ministered to me, just his compassion and reaching out. And boy, I just was taken aback by that. And I thought, there's Mm. my young man. There's the man. Yeah. Now, you probably know Stephanie Hubach, Mm -hmm. who wrote a book called, 
Uh, she's written several books, but the one that I read, the first one was Same Lake, Different Boat, about raising a son with a disability. She has a mm -hmm. son, Timmy, who's about, I'm going to say about six or eight years younger than John, and he's got downs, but boy, that guy is sharp. <laughs> and But she uses the words um, special needs or handicapped or whatever, disabled. She said, if a church does not have people with disability as a part of the body, the church is disabled. Yes, absolutely. Because they're lacking. <laughs> because the Bible talks about everybody has a gift, every joint supplies. And yeah. I that was never more evident than when Jeff told me that. Then, <laughs> about a week later, John has decided he wants to go to men's meetings with me on Thursday night. He gets quite excited about them. Awesome. So the men's meetings is um, we don't have a formal Bible study set up. It's for it's for fellowship and connection. And another friend of mine, you know, we work together on it. And John's decided he wants to come and he wants to participate. Yeah. Well, there's a man there who's battling uh, physical ailment. He's got a tumor behind his eye. Oh, wow. Really difficult to get in there to do surgery, even though he's had several operations because <laughs> it's close to the eye nerve and the brain. And, right. and, and I've been praying for John for a long time. The other night, this fellow John, not my son, John, John. Right was sitting and we had some time to share prayer requests and we asked him for an update. And he told us, and my son who doesn't sit next to me, by the way, he sits with me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he was sitting next to John that night. And as we began praying for John, my son put his hand on his shoulder and left it there the whole time. And I could find the text on my phone if you want me to read it. And then when it was when he had an opportunity, there's a little break in the action. You know how prayer meetings go. Exactly. Johnny stepped right in and began to pray. Wow. And he prayed for that man until and then when he was done. And afterwards, he my friend John went home and sent me a text. He says, You have no idea how much. Having his hand on my shoulder while he prayed for me and leaving it there the untold time, hmm. it was overwhelming to me. He wow. says, you had no idea how much your son ministered to me tonight. Hmm. Uh, isn't that something? Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> yes. I'm just, uh, I'm just going to give you two more. And then these are just things that have happened in church. Hmm. So one week, I'm sitting behind this lovely family. And they had two little girls, little boy, but they were just like, I don't know how you put it. Like they like all American family. And I was mm -hmm. watching them while they were coloring. They sat quietly during the service. And after the service, I stood up, I introduced myself to the man. And I said, just want to tell you, you got a great family, really enjoyed watching them and how well behaved they were. And, mm -hmm. and he said, I talk about your son all the time. Huh? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I call my mother after I go to church very frequently and I talk about John. And I said, you got to keep going. I don't know. What okay. You're yeah, exactly. About. <laughs> What's terrible. <laughs> he said, my mother's brother has Down syndrome. He was my uncle. And I've gone back to the church where that man has been attending for 
40 years, 50 years. He's, he's in his 50s. Wow. And he said, and I've seen him standing alone when they have refreshments between meetings or coffee time, and nobody talks to him. Hmm. But I watch your son, and I watch how he interacts with everybody and gives hugs and gives high fives, and he's just a part of the church, and he it just blesses him. So then he calls his mom and tells her Aww. it blesses her. And I thought, isn't it nice that I sat here today? Because I would never have learned that. Right. But if you happen to be in a pew and Johnny recognizes you, when you get out to have communion, you get a hug, <laughs> uh, you get a fist bump. Um, you also get something else, though, too, because we were in the back, fortunately, one time. And there was a man in my pew with a two-year-old, and it was time for that two-year-old to have a snack. So he was giving him some food, and he mm -hmm. wasn't moving fast enough. Oh. <laughs> and Johnny goes, come on! <laughs> and so I, it was my turn to go by Johnny. I said, Johnny, you got to dial it back a little bit, son. Some people have children, you know, and he, he goes, oh. <laughs> no filter but well he expresses what we all think inside sometimes <laughs> absolutely i love people with no filter because then you know where you stand you know it's not right stuff, exactly so. but i've had more people tell me how much it means for them to see john being a vital part of the church and giving hugs yeah. and high fives and um and when he sees you Mm -hmm. I mean, you feel like you're the best thing since sliced bread. You, you, he, he'll go, hey, and he'll come up, give you a hug. But even if it's someone he's never met, he does that too. And people don't know that because some people have said, I really think Johnny has a special place in his heart for me. And I just smile. I think he does that for <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I don't say that. I just smile. I don't want to lie or say anything. So, but mm -hmm. um, he'd met. He'd make a great politician. <laughs> he could Shaking hug all those hands. people, shake the hands, and yep, yeah. grab the babies. Yeah. <laughs> and and when I go home from, I go pick him up. That's one reason we had to go a little earlier today. I'm going right. to pick him up at work today at two thirty. And when I pick him up, very frequently there is a note: "Pray for such and such as mom. Pray for somebody's grandchild." Because he finds out that somebody is hurting at work, and then he brings a note home, and Sandy and I will pray together with them in the evening over whatever the situations are. Wow. And just this morning when I went into work and I saw somebody's car, and he knows everybody's car, mm -hmm. and he goes, he, he made the sign. He said, she's better. She's better. Because oh. he feels it when people aren't well. And we have right. to be careful how we – how much we tell him because he carries these things on his heart. And wow. Yeah. There you go. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. This is empowering homeschool conversations provided by sped homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. How, what do you yeah. think of that? That is amazing. And, you know, we when we were praying before the, the broadcast, what God had brought to mind was we just do not know what no. God is going to do with um, our kids, especially when we put limitations on based on the things of this world. 
And yeah. um, so I want to jump back with you, um, back to when Johnny was born. How much has your perception of your son changed or your expectations of what God can do with him from when he was born to now? And and how has that journey been for you as a dad? Okay, so you're going to make me cry. My eyes are already <laughs> When When Johnny was born, first of all, we didn't know he was going to be born with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any of those pre-testing because we didn't really care. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there was a risk factor. So why would we do something risky if it doesn't make any difference? Yeah. And then we found out he had Down syndrome. I didn't know anybody with Down syndrome. I didn't know anything mm. about Down syndrome. And pretty much my focus was on just taking care of my wife and my other kids and surviving. And that first year, he had probably, well, two catheterizations, open heart surgery, intestinal surgery. He had five major stays in the hospital for, you know, the first 10 months. Mm -hmm. But when he was having open heart surgery, there was a family that opened up their home nearby the hospital so we wouldn't have to commute. We lived a little bit distance from the uh, hospital and we could stay there. And it was Mm -hmm. my turn to be on the night shift. Uh. And Sandy went home to be with the other boys and to rest. And and, uh, I just remember at one point, he's got all these tubes in him and stuff and they Mm -hmm. picked him up and they put him on my chest, you know, so we could rest together. Right. And I saw this little guy looking at me and I said, he needs a papa. Oh, yeah. And we became a team right then. And I just had his back and he said my back. And uh, if he intro- if I introduce him to somebody, well, he actually introduces more people now than I do. He, he <laughs> the roles are right reversed now. And he says, I'm, I'm John Demi. And then I have to explain that I'm his dad. He goes, yeah, Mark and Lucas. And I say, okay, have you ever watched The Rifleman? It's an old black and white Western where Chuck Connors plays Lucas. And I forget the boy's name. He plays Mark. And it's a, it's a story of a, a single dad raising his son. And Johnny will tell you that the wife died. But anyway, the mother died. (laughs) But so that's been our identity for a long time because I'm Lucas, he's Mark, and he tells people, this is Lucas, I'm Mark, I'm his son, he says. And, Mm. And the thing is, is that in that show, which I grew up watching when I was in the house, because I was rarely even in the home, I was always outside running, but... I just liked it because it was a nice Western and the good guys won and, he, you know, that kind of stuff. But when yeah. I started watching with Johnny, the last 30 seconds or so of each episode, there's this really tender moment where the father and the son reconnect and process what they learned during the episode, what life lessons they can bring uh. out of them and stuff. And Johnny will reach over and hold my hand and just look mm. at me. And I just. Yeah. So. So I'm his Lucas. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm his big father, and and one of the one of the main things I feel like I had to deal with as a dad was, dads like to fix things. Yeah. We just do. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And every marriage counselor at some point and every young married couple at some point has to learn this, that oftentimes my wife tells me stuff. She just wants me to hear her and right. validate her. She just said it to me two days ago. She said, thank you for <laughs> hearing me because I've learned. Yeah. And um, But my nature is to look for solutions. My nature is to try to find something that I can do to make the situation better. Mm-hmm. And I can't change Johnny's chromosome count. Right. I can't change his, the way that God designed him. Mm-hmm. And I, at, at one point, I felt like it was, I don't remember if it was a dream or something, but I just really sensed that God was near to me. And he said, what do you want me to do for this boy? Mm. At that point, we didn't know if Johnny would ever be able to walk, communicate, Mm. eat without a feed tube. We didn't know anything. This was early on. (laughs) And our midwife, frankly, had painted a pretty bleak picture. She didn't do a good job counseling. Mm. However, um, I just felt like God wanted me... he gave me a blank check. And so I, I prayed about right. everything I could think of. I said, help that boy to eat and speak and hear and walk and, you know, anything I could think of. Help his legs, help his feet, help his hands. Mm-hmm. But when I was all done, I sensed that I had taken all of my concerns and I had mm-hmm. placed it in God's lap. Yeah. And now it was his responsibility. Somehow I'd let it go. And I had the assurance that even if nothing was fixed to the way I wanted it, right, that he would give me grace to accept John just the way he was. And so mm-hmm. I rarely think about John's limitations. I, I mostly think about what he can do and what he is doing. And um, so I don't know if that helps, but I think for dads, yeah, that's something we have to uh, come to grips with. That yeah. this is a gift, and this is from God, and and He works all things together, and um, I would not be who I am or do or be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for John, because he's he shaped pretty much the course of my life. So yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. we have our own plans, but God has better ones, doesn't? Oh he? yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, great gift. So how? As a parent, did you start, I guess, the process of, you know, when you're out with, with Johnny, you know, and, and he is being himself, um, how did that, that dynamic start working? I mean, when I'm assuming when he was really young, he was, he was, you know, had that personality to go out and hug people and stuff. And, you know, how, how did you kind of nurture that, but yet also corral that at the same time? Well, I, I don't know how, I don't know how I can give enough credit to my wife, but I remember a couple things. The first one was um, we had to, put the little restraints on hugging everybody. In fact, uh, I'm about to have that talk with them again, because I saw him <laughs> hug someone at church the other day that I'm not sure they wanted to be hugged. So we, <laughs> we went through a long period where he would, we would tell him, just put your hand out for a handshake. Mm-hmm. And he was really good about that. But lately it's gone back to some hugs. So I have to dial that back. That's something mm-hmm. that we deal with. Um, another big thing was though, that, uh, 
<laughs> I remember going into the stores when we go shopping. Uh, Sandy would say to John, you want to go with me or Pop? Pop. Uh. <laughs> my wife, she holds his hand the entire time. Oh. me, <laughs> do unto others. I hate that kind of restraint. Mm -hmm. So I would take him into Home Depot or Staples and let him go. And wow. Just kind of keep an eye on him. But one time I lost him and he was climbing up some shelves and he was all covered with dust. And I said, you have a good time? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there were times when he would escape. Uh, he, he, we were in a big department store at the last, at the end of a mall. You know how they had the department right. stores yep. on the edges. And, yeah. and John just disappeared. And we were mm -hmm. all with him. The whole family was there. And immediately I said to uh, my two older boys, I said, Isaac and Ethan, I said, okay, you go get that exit. You get that exit. Mm -hmm. And Sandy went with the security guard to go down and look at the cameras uh, for the whole store. And I said, Joe's, you come with me. Let's go find him. Mm -hmm. And so we were walking past this rack, a circular rack of pants. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden he popped up. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> And he wasn't escaping. He was just trying to scare us. And right. So then we had to call in all the troops. But we've had a couple scares like that where, you know, in this day and age, you have to be really careful about your kids. And yeah. we were, we thought we were being careful right then. But, you know, sometimes he's Houdini. And we had special locks right. put on our house. Deadbolts on all the doors. High deadbolts. Not uh -huh. right, right above the doorknob, but like up high because... Yeah, we used to call him Houdini because he would wow. just, um, but most of the time now, oh, goodness, no, he's just a piece of cake. He's hmm. he's gregarious. Uh, we go out to eat frequently because he makes us. Huh. He, he has a lot to do with our evening schedules because in his hmm. mind, every Monday we're going out to eat. Okay. And then we're coming home and we're playing cards. We play cards every night now because mm -hmm. Johnny makes us. And my wife and I have learned to go with it. And it's actually a nice yeah. thing that the three of mm -hmm. us do. And then he makes us watch something which I've actually balked at. Um, I have watched too many home improvements and everybody <laughs> loves Raymond. And <laughs> I'm just done. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't do that anymore. But generally, he, he likes it if I do because he wants mm -hmm. all of us to be doing things together. And yeah. so he forces us to develop a rhythm. I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking. but um, Yeah, it, it, it we, is. We've gone through I, phases. Right. But but over time, you've kind of developed that rhythm together I, um, yep. and just embraced that he is there. He is part of this family unit for the extent of all of your lifetimes together. Yep. Um, and, and that, that gives him security to be who he is. And, um, and yeah, just putting those, those restraints in place, you know, and like you said, it does take time. Um, and what a gift that you and Sandy are so different. Um, because, um, I, I have, I remember hearing it way in the past, like when my kids were little that, you know, dads let kids be dangerous <laughs> and moms don't <laughs> in general, exactly right. that may be yeah. the flip, but it's good to have both because then our kids know, you know, that, that we love them. We want those secure spaces for them, but also so that they have the freedom to be themselves too. And um, 
a big part of our rhythm is all of his frequent appointments. Oh, I know, I know yes. this sounds, I almost feel guilty telling people about my life with John because I believe he enriches my life. I don't mm-hmm. see him as a drain or something else I have to do. I don't feel like a caregiver. I'm a, I'm just part of his team and he's part of yeah. my team and we help each other. And, but he does have medical things because he had open heart surgery. We have mm. to have annual visits or semi-annual visits, you know, and get EKGs mm. and echoes and all that. And they monitor that. And then he said several endoscopies. So we have to mm. watch his reflux. He has a reflux issue and he had surgery in his intestine. But mm. Sandy, to her credit, uh, 10 or 11 years ago, she said, could we divide up? Ah. all of these uh, medical appointments and stuff. Hmm. And I said, sure, (laughs) you know, not (laughs) Not really knowing what you were committing to. (laughs) So she takes him for his haircuts and his GI visits and his uh, heart visits and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I do his teeth. Ah, I brush his teeth uh twice a day. I floss him more than I floss myself. And, We go to get his teeth cleaned, and I'm the one that wants the sticker because I'm the one right. that's going to But um, so we, I make his dental appointments, I pay for his dental appointments, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in charge of feet. He developed something, you don't need to hear all the details. But anyway, so I take him to a podiatrist every nine weeks, I think is how fast we can go. And then I'm also with the ears because his one of his ear canals is a little smaller. So we have to get them cleaned oh, out more frequently. Mm. And even though we can do the drops and stuff, it's never as good as when they just go in there and right. just pull it, you know, yep. clean it out. So, so those appointments are my baby, taking mm. him there, making the appointments, monitoring his teeth and all that. And Sandy, oh, she also monitors, that's all I'm going to say, BMs. Because, as you know, you can tell a lot about a person's health by right. that particular yep. part. So, absolutely, yeah, and she sets his pills out for him, and he takes – but mm. he is so faithful. He just gets up, mm. and he takes his pills, and he does this and does that. He gets himself dressed, and, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but that's a, a long process, you know, at the end of a, a long series of years, putting those those things into place. Well, I think about how Sandy did all this by herself for all these mm. years and she's homeschooling at the same time. And I just tip of the hat because I was working hard too, but right. Yeah. yeah. But right now Sandy is gone. Uh, she and her three best friends are out of town for a couple of days for one of their big birthday party celebrations. And so I'm oh, matching nice. it with John. Yeah. And, <laughs> But she needs that time when she doesn't have to think about anything because I don't know if, again, if it's just a man thing, but I'm able to compartmentalize things. So I don't think about John when he's not here. Right now he's at work. So I'm good. Mm -hmm. I got all kinds of things I want to do. There's other people in charge. (laughs) Sandy can't turn it off. She carries his mm -hmm. needs with her all the time. And when she's home, even if she's not doing something, she's still carrying it. So, yeah, I think yeah. that is pretty typical for moms that we, yeah, we do I think that. So too. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, it's a long-term commitment. You know, oftentimes we, you know, we foresee our children will leave that will take care of themselves. And then we have those kids that are with us a lot longer than that. And um, we, you just have to 
come to that grasp of, grasp of like embracing it like you have, Steve, to um, say this is this is the way it is and it's good. Um, it's not a burden. It's a joy, um, something to be embraced and and loved. Um, I would love for you to talk just a little bit about your church too. Um, you have shared with me in the past that it's just been a community that has really surrounded your son. Um, and, and how, how did that cultivation begin? What did it, did it, was your church always a place that um, really wanted to embrace um, Johnny or has it kind of been something that required a bit of teaching and understanding and, or consistently maybe? It's a really good question, but uh, my son, my second son, used to go to this particular church when we were going to a different church, hmm. and we'll call it Church A and Church B. Okay. <laughs> so no, no mention of names. But anyway, when we were in Church A. Uh, it was a big non-denominational church, and they actually were the ones that connected me with Johnny and friends. So okay. that was a plus. Mm-hmm. But they're understanding of disability was a little different because they had a special class that the disability kids were supposed to go to adults. Hmm. And Johnny went once and he went, nah. And then (laughs) once a year, they would let the people with disability be a part of the ushering team. Johnny Hmm. liked that. Once a year. Wow. Yeah. And, but he didn't know why he couldn't do it every week. Right. Because he can learn. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then at the same time, we were visiting Church B where Ethan and Anna were going because they would sing in the choir and there'd be special productions. And when we went there, um, I found out that I knew a bunch of the people there as well. And the pastor and I hit it off. And Johnny, he makes friends everywhere he goes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But so in 2014, nine years ago, we started attending there full time. And Johnny made it clear he wanted to be an usher. So I went to the usher team and I said, I don't think John wants me to teach him how to be an usher. I think it would be a greater thing if you did it. Right. And so John was mentored beautifully by Dave and Rick. And here's the key. They treated him with dignity. Mm. They respected him. They treated him as an adult who has value. Right. And Johnny, he might not be able to pass the SAT, but he knows when he's being patronized and he knows mm-hmm. when he's being looked down upon. We've had people at our at our family business that treated him like a little kid and yeah. he didn't want to go to work. Mm. But now he's got a job assistant and they're equal. He can't wait to get to work. So uh. so when we watch Johnny be incorporated into the Usher team and passing out the bulletins and um, but it was just the way they valued him. And then there was a change of pastors and a younger man took over and Luke and uh, she want to start crying. Luke and Keith, both the two associate and the senior pastor, the two guys, they just treat Johnny like a million dollars. I'm always getting pictures mm-hmm. after church. If I happen not to be there, he'll make him take a picture and text it to me and I'll see it. Oh. <laughs> But Johnny is always the last one to get communion because he's let everybody out. He's in the back of the room. And then he goes up and he always goes to either Luke or Keith up at the front. Mm. And they put their arm around him and they pray for him because he asked them to pray for him. And they pray for him every week. 
Wow. And it's often the same stuff. You know, he wants a wife, he wants this and that, whatever. But the thing is, and he gets the, then he gets the elements and he walks back to the pew and he's just beaming. Mm. And I I don't know how to tell you how much that means to a parent to have a child be included. Now, we only have a couple people in the church with um, disability. Yeah, they're all treated the same way we're treated. Mm. There's a certain pew that has a note on it that says, hey, if Olivia is coming, this is her pew. (laughs) And uh, they have a buddy system that they've created Mm. for Teddy because Teddy can't sit in church, but his parents want to go to church. So, Again, it's Rick and <laughs> yeah, it's right. Rick and Dave. They'll stay out. They'll they'll go to the first service so they can take care of Teddy the second service so that the parents can go. So hmm. there's not a big formal ministry, if I can put it that way. Right. There is a really good inclusiveness. Yes. And, yeah. That's yeah, really what I wanted you to to hit on because yeah. I, I figured that was the case. Um when we put people aside. You know, for any reason, we we isolate them. And I remember long ago when I first started this broadcast, I interviewed um, a woman who was uh, her job was to create inclusive environments in churches. And she talked about it being like a hot dish (laughs) and how every single ingredient of that hot dish was important. And you don't just put, you know, all the carrots in one corner to make a good hot dish. You got to like mix it all in. And I thought that was a really good imagery for me to keep on how do we include other people? And then doesn't it taste better when everything is all in place? Just like you were talking about, you know, at the beginning, we were talking about how the body just isn't the body. It's, it's not functioning correctly if we don't have everyone playing a crucial part that God created them to, to play in, in our community. Yeah. So and there's, beautiful. there's one person that I would call hearing impaired and we've had interpreters. There's a, there's several interpreters that go to our church and mm-hmm. they'll have to go down and sit right in front of her and interpret. And I used to sit behind them so that I could learn more sign language. Ah, uh-huh. And there's, and there's one elderly mo- uh, mo- woman with dementia. And the world is a happy place for her and she smiles, <laughs> but she talks during the service. And you know what? There's no shushing. That's she's awesome. just accepted and right. people will talk to her and greet her and you'll do the same conversation, but it's okay. Yeah. And she, so there is something See, you made me cry again, but it, it, it's so precious to see that because I have right. done enough seminars where I've had people tell me that they were asked to leave their church yeah, because their family didn't fit or they mm. didn't have the ability to care for them. And even though we have some people that kind of set themselves to do it, I just feel like it's the whole church mentality. It's It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's not something that's a ministry. I'm really tired of that word, frankly, by the way. <laughs> I know. Yes. My yeah. son doesn't want to be a ministry. He doesn't want to be the object of a ministry. He just right. wants to be John and be accepted and included for who he is. So, Absolutely. I Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I, it's But it's something that I think the church community has to, like, 
completely change, especially for those people who've had that ingrained in that we have to compartmentalize and, and systematically address everything instead of just by relationship. And yeah. that, and that's how Jesus ministered anyways, was by relationship. And it was each person individually. And now that you're making me think about this, there was a Sunday school class that they had, and it was, uh, it was a couple of weeks where I was part of the panel. Hmm. And we each got to give a little presentation. We're all parents of disabled kids. And then they were able to ask us questions. Oh, yes. See, even the fact, though, that they would have that meeting shows that there was a willingness and a desire to learn yeah. and to embrace and to be more inclusive. I mean, right. the fact that they even had the meeting shows that they didn't even need to have the meeting, you know, at one level. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing right. is, people did learn from that meeting. It was an eye opener. Right. To a yeah. lot of people. And, and like you, you know, coming in, having a child with Down syndrome without knowing it. I mean, there was so much you have learned, you know, oh, over yeah. the years that, um, that you wouldn't have known. And you would have been one of those people on that side too. I know when my parents adopted my first sibling with special needs and having wheelchairs in the house and, you know, feeding tubes and all of these things that I had never been used to, it was uncomfortable for a long time. And, but yet as you know, I, we added more siblings <laughs> to the mix and it just, you, now it's just a way of life. You walk into my parents' house and that's, yeah, that's just the way it is. And, and it's, it's completely different, but for a lot of people, um, we do need to realize how scary that is and, and just, you know, help them to, to embrace the specialness by treating our, our kids, um, and everybody with disability, the, the way that we know that they want to be treated. Yeah. Well, see, now you're making me think of all kinds of things, Peggy. So <laughs> there's a family that adopted a, a girl and she's needy hmm. and she's on the spectrum and, uh, unable to verbalize. So she's yeah. she uses sign language, but she's also on the spectrum. So it's really hard to even find a school situation where you have somebody with both of those skills that can sign right. and understands the spectrum. Hmm. And uh, I, I happened to catch her mom in a different situation one day by herself. And I said, I've been wanting to talk to you. I said, but hmm. I don't want to talk to you in front of your kids, especially your special daughter. Hmm. And she said, well, what do you want to know? And I said, how are you and your husband doing? Because you look tired. Yeah. Now, see, I would never have been in that world if I hadn't had Johnny. But I said, are you getting right. some time, just the two of you? Hmm. And first of all, she looked at me and almost cried. And she said, thank you for asking. Hmm. And thank you for understanding. And then she said, um, yeah, some things have changed. My husband is able to work at home now for the first time. We're starting mm. to set up lunch dates while my daughter's in school. She says, but interesting you asked me that today because she's just being uh, moved out of the current classroom because they don't know what to do with her. Uh, so this is something that's ongoing for them. Right. And I said, well, if your husband is willing, I'd be happy to take him out for lunch or something. And so anyway, we're still pursuing that, but right. I wouldn't have been able to see those signals. I wouldn't even know what to say, but just right. the fact that I observed it and was caring hmm. meant a lot to her. And yeah. yeah. 
And really it does for a lot of the families that are in that situation. And unfortunately, there just isn't always somebody who understands. So, yeah. um, but, but yeah, so I'm just going to put it out there for our listeners. If, if you have a, you know, the ability to, to reach out to a family, even if you can't offer a solution, you know, just pray and say, God, what do you want me to say to them and approach them? Because you just don't do not know the impact that you can have. Just, you know, just saying, I, I get it, or maybe I don't get it, but I want to get it. I want to understand more. Yeah. Um, that's, that's super important. We need community to surround us and we, we are, God didn't create us to live without community and we, we just need to be surrounded. So, Amen. yeah. So, um, anything else that you want to share? Um, and it's on your um, heart? No. no, I think, I think we covered it. I, I do know that, um, any, anybody that, like you say, shows compassion and understanding and just comes up and asks you how you're doing or yeah, it, it, it means a lot. But 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 when you talked about Johnny being uh, having two parents who are very different, fortunately, he's an extrovert. So uh, (laughs) here's what happens after church. John won't leave until, you know, things are cleaned up and he signed the papers and da 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 and he's shaking everybody's hand and all whatever. So my dear wife, we take two sets of keys and she just goes out and sits in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And Johnny and I are the two extroverts and we don't leave and pretty much until everybody else has left. And (laughs) because we like people. So it it does make it easier for the two of us to hang out. And just this morning, there's a local restaurant just opened up a month ago. And somebody recommended it. So I said, John, you want to go out to eat this morning? Oh, yeah, he likes that. So we went to <laughs> breakfast. And I, this menu was great, too, because it had pictures. Ah. <laughs> he won't order unless he can pretend he's looking at the book. I shouldn't say pretend, but you know what I mean. So right. uh, he saw and he ordered Eggs Benedict. Hmm. And so that was good. And then the waitress came, first time we met her, he introduced himself, I'm John. She said, I'm Jen. I, <laughs> so <laughs> right away. And then after he talked to her a little bit, he goes like this. Cute girl. <laughs> so I called Jen back and I said, Jen, I think you missed something. She said, what's that? And I said, he just told you you're a cute girl. Now, I have seen him do that to some people that I wouldn't have used those words from. But... Mm-hmm. I've seen them just beam because mm. it's nice being told that you're a cute girl. Yeah. And Johnny, and then he gives his shy little smile and they walk away grinning because they've right. just been told that they look good. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, he's something. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you're enamored and, and constantly, you know, just filled with joy over yeah. um, the, the things that. He is giving into the community as you um, you see. He doesn't like snow, though. Oh, really? He he, he even makes a spitting motion now. When I tell him it's going (laughs) to snow, it's supposed to snow in two days here. And he goes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) But you know why? Because he misses work. Oh, that's right. I think you've told me that in the past. Most people think it is snowing. Yes, vacation. And uh, 
Johnny goes, no. And I tell him, I said, come on, buddy. I got a four-wheel drive. I have my own key. We will make this happen. And he goes, uh, 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 so. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't like snow either. That's why I moved to Texas. <laughs> you can tell him I agree with him. <laughs> Uh, well, that's awesome. I would love for you to talk just a little bit about building faith families and um, just some of the resources that okay. you offer well, there. So, I'll just say a little, one more little thing before I do oh, that. Yeah, is absolutely. When I was teaching and pastoring way back when Johnny was born, mm-hmm. um, when he had all those surgeries, I, I was shot. I was yeah. uh, emotionally mm. um, burned out. My wife was as well. We had to say goodbye to everything we were doing, mm. move to a different state to just regroup as a family. Mm. In the process, I had to make money. Yeah. So I started tutoring. But my wife was probably in worse shape than I was. So mm. tutoring allowed me to work flexible. I didn't right. have to be gone the whole day. So she could take somebody to the doctor or whatever, and I could just rearrange my schedule. Mm-hmm. But that tutoring grew into Matthew C. Right. And it's now Demi learning. If, exactly. So th- this is a, what I mean about Johnny shaping my life. Mm-hmm. Then the building faith families happen because I'm, I'm of the conviction that, um, that the family unit is the basic building block of everything. You want to have healthy churches, you need to make healthy families. You want healthy communities, you need healthy families. It all goes back to the family. And but there is a kind of a I've observed that there's a lot of organizations that have the name family in their ministry, but Hmm. they're pretty much just pointing out what things are anti-family or what things could Mm. hurt your family, whether it's screen time or whatever. Right. And I said, but yeah, but we need to be building families. We need to be encouraging families. So Hmm. this is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to encourage dads. I'm trying to encourage parents. I'm trying to uh, build them up Hmm. because uh, there's probably everybody I've ever talked to that struggles with their what would you call it? Concept of God, the father is because mm. of their relationship with their earthly father. Yeah. And, and I know that's a really broad stroke, but I'm telling you, I have been in men's retreats where we tell our stories. And when I asked them the question, what has shaped you? Every single man talked about their dad. Hmm. And so what we need to do, as far as I'm concerned, is work on encouraging dads to be better husbands, better uh, fathers, and my latest thing is I'm realizing that Jesus was a really good savior because he was also a well-loved son. Yeah. And my mm. relationship with my heavenly father is what colors my relationships with my family. So mm. I'm trying to encourage dads, be a son first. Right. Keep working on that, your relationship with your dad, and mm. then pass on the same thing that he gives to you, to your kids and your wife. So. Absolutely. And wherever we start, you know, it's, it's a point, but you're changing and you're growing and, and yeah, I've seen the same thing with my husband growing um, in his faith and how it just reflects 
almost instantly on my kids. And that is, um, it's, it's just amazing to watch. You know, I, I as the mom, just sit back and pray because <laughs> it's God's work. It's not mine. Um, but um, he is faithful to take us Amen. from wherever we're at and um, help. So thank you for um, those resources. So that's buildingfaithfamilies.org. Um, and then the Matthew C has grown into Demi learning. Um, and I'll put both of those um, links on in the show notes on the podcast, as well as on YouTube. So you can find those and click on them right away. Um, any closing remarks, Steve? No, I can't think of anything. Well, Sorry. thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> you, you've, you've shared a lot and I've probably given my guests a lot to chew on um, this hour. Just um, we have to look at our kids from a totally different perspective than the world tells yeah. us to look at them. And um, and that takes um, intention and um, and also just that constant putting our kids before God and being reminded of who they are in his image and not who they are compared to other people's kids. Um, you know, our hopes and dreams for them, but, but he has something better. So Amen. thank you. So, for may, so you prayed to begin. Can I pray in closing? Yes, I would love that. Okay. Father, thank you for being our dad and loving us and liking us, even with all of our foibles and interesting components, hmm. but we are created in your image and we are all created in your image. Yes. And I pray that you'll encourage all the parents that are watching today and listening. I pray that you'll give them a fresh dose of grace. I pray that you'll help them to see their kids, as Peggy said, mm -hmm. from your perspective and help us to um, grow in our relationship with you so that that will be passed on to our own children in Jesus name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Always You're nice welcome. to end in a blessing. Um, and thank you all for joining us. Um, I saw quite a few of you popping on today. I know it was more of a conversation just to listen to versus join in um, on. Steve had so many wonderful things to share. If you caught us towards the end, I encourage you to watch from the beginning or um, to, to rewind once the, the video goes up. Um, for um, your reviewing. Um, but um, I have did two broadcasts this week intentionally because next week I am off. But after that, um, we have Heidi St. John coming on and she is going to share with us um, some a new project she's working on that will encourage you as a mom to let go of perfection. It'll, Amen. So, um, I'm excited Tell Heidi I said hi. That. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> will. Uh, so thank you all for joining us. Um, have a great um, couple weeks. If you're listening to the podcast, the next podcast will be the interview with, with Heidi. Um, but until then, God bless and um, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.